Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Coffee and Open Source, a place for us to meet some new folks, learn about great tech, and have maybe a little fun along the way. So I have coffee today. I hope everybody else has coffee today. So today I'm really, really excited for my guest. My guest is Marie Antones. Marie, do you want to say hello? Introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie. I am the community engineer for a company called Harness, but my main focus is on their open source product called Drone. And Drone is a continuous integration product. That's awesome. Like, I would love to get a little bit of more insight into that, right? I guess, like, one of the things that's very interesting to me about tech in general is, like, the community that gets built around tech. And I'd love to talk about it in a little bit. Uh, but mm -hmm. first, I'd like to kind of get a better understanding of, you know, usually tech people or pe folks in tech, like, they have this origin story. Like, you know, they came across a tech, maybe they were younger, maybe they were later in their career, maybe doing something else. And, you know, they saw this opportunity, they saw tech and like, oh, this is great. I'm going to do this. You know, do you have a moment kind of in your life when that happened for you? Yeah. So I got into tech kind of strangely. My husband and I lived in Bermuda for four years and I used to be a chef. So I came from the culinary industry. Oh, cool. Uh, but as we moved to Bermuda, I had a small internship um, at this hotel resort. Um, and then I couldn't really get back into culinary because Bermuda really puts their people first. And then a visa was not in the works at that time. So sure. when, we, when we moved back, I was like, I should get back into culinary. So throughout my stay in Bermuda, I really specialized in Italian food. So I wanted to create like a pasta website to sell okay. fresh pasta at the farmer's market. So it started kind of with like Googling, oh, I'm sure there's someone that can make a website for me. And then I saw the price of how much it cost to yeah. build a web website. And it was literally insane from like logo making to website creation. I was like, wow, I'm not ready to put that kind of money into a website. So I am a very much do-it-yourself type of person. So it's like, I'm sure I could just do this by myself like I am with almost everything. So I Googled like boot camps or how to create a website and it came to the boot camp I went to, which was Delta V Code School. So my husband was like, I'm sure, not to be like a negative Nancy, but I'm sure you're like, I'm not sure if you're gonna like it. So just start with the first two courses and then we'll see how it is from there. And then I basically fell in love with it from that moment on. We started with Khan Academy okay. and I was not really interested in their like generic like themes of like, I was in the JavaScript course and there was this fish tank exercise. So okay. I was like, I don't really want to build a fish tank. So I built like a Mario scene since it was dealing with like four loops and animation. So I built out the entire like bullet scene where the bullet was shooting from the cannon and Mario was jumping to get that coin. Yeah. So I just tried to make it as fun as possible and it basically just got me hooked from there. So then I continued with the entire boot camp experience, which was very hard, <laughs> but worth it. That's awesome. I mean, there's like, I, I want to talk to people who got started in, in code camps. The the experience is always very mixed. Like some people love it, like absolutely love the the classes they took, love the instructors. And there's other people that were, they were a bit less jazzed about it. Uh, it sounds to me you're a bit, I think you, you understood that it was something that you're really interested in, but maybe you didn't subscribe as much to like 
maybe the practicum or the curriculum or whatever you want to call it. But I think what's really interesting about that is that you powered through it and you're like, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to just figure it out and use like some of the resources they gave me to figure out what I want to do and be successful. Um, yeah. So, so was it very much like it was a JavaScript focused code camp? Yeah. So part of it was JavaScript. Okay. We started with basic HTML and CSS, then we went to JavaScript, and then we ended in C Sharp and React. Okay. So basically, I took it as I'm just going to try to have fun with it. And I was super. So if you would have tried to do this interview with me when I started bootcamp, I would have been like so closed off and shy because I would have I would have said previously I was extremely introverted, sure. but something just clicked throughout bootcamp where I was like. If I'm making this career change, I have to be as active and out there as possible, or I'm just going to be disconnected and feel like kind of strange. And it's really what I make of my own career. So I'm like, well, I can only get what I ask for. So I'm going to be trying to be as active as possible, asking questions, being like kind of out there. I got the nickname of Den Mother in boot camp because I was like the one like we should meet at 7 p.m. and do our data structures and talk through it and everyone needs to be connected and kind of like building that collaborative space I found was super helpful through like just being engaged with boot camp and wanting to like kind of keep your moral up, morale up, because once you're stuck trying to figure things out and programming is hard. So the more people you can kind of be connected with, the better is what I thought, what I thought in which what helped for me too. It's funny that you mentioned that it's hard, right? Like I am very much on this soapbox of like people who get into tech, like they have to appreciate, they have to be a little bit of, of a masochist. Like they kind of have to enjoy the pain because the, the pain is a majority of the job. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and one thing that's interesting was that kind of, was that, I guess, mindset kind of provided to you or the other folks that went when you were going through the boot camp, Or was it very much like, this is a great opportunity for you to make money and all this sort of stuff? Or was it very much like, you have to like this sort of work in order to be successful? We started off with um, kind of the main guy, his name's Aaron. He kind of talked about having a growth mindset and how that is absolutely necessary in this field of work because how many times have you been so frustrated at like a bug or like something doesn't work or it works on my machine but not someone else's machine and all the frustration that comes with it it's like well yeah it's gonna happen and I just have to be okay with it that's like most things it's it's kind of hard to move on if you're stuck in the like oh it's just hard and I don't know what to do yeah but I sorry go ahead also also that's why trying to be engaged with your fellow bootcamp members as well will really help because it also kind of brings to light while you might do something one way, I might do something another way, Kirk might do something another way, Meg might do something another way. It's all okay because it probably works the same and you're figuring out, oh, it's not a one size fits all either. So having that growth mindset as well is like, well, it could be done a million different ways and my way is just one way. Yeah, I think that there's something to that, right? Where I think, and this is maybe just from my experience working in tech, like the networking and the community building is what's really impactful, right? Yes. I mean, honestly, in most cases, the, the job is very boring. 
right? And there's a lot of failure in the job. You, you know, yeah. I know there's companies out there that are doing really interesting things, but for the most part, there's a lot of just okay. Here's some data. You know, it's in a database or some data store, and I need you to write an app that you that basically interacts with that data. And that is literally the job for, I don't know what the numbers are, but probably like 90% of work, right? Yeah. So you don't get in a lot of opportunities to do like really like interesting work. It might be interesting based on the business domain, but like it's the people that you work with. It's the people that you meet along the way that kind of keep you interested in doing the, the work. And yeah. I think one thing that's very, very interesting about code camps in general is that they kind of just put everybody into kind of like a, a fishbowl and they say, okay, some of you might love this. Some of you might hate this, but like, this is an opportunity for you to like your first step in like learning how to network and learning how to kind of, you know, build community, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And collaborate. Um, what was I going to say? It's, it's boot camp is really what you make it. Uh, some, I've talked to some members who are also in bootcamp who are quite shy about kind of collaborating with bootcamp members. And that also makes for like such a lonely experience and hopefully not what their job will be in the future because our jobs are very much about talking with people, collaborating with people, pair programming with people. So we can't really do anything alone. Yeah, I mean, that's true too. Like, a lot of the the function of a person in tech, it's like singular. Like I have some work items that I need to work against. I have some tasks. I have some bugs to fix. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that downplays like the amount of like networking internally that you have to do. Like, and unless you work for a small company and you're literally, you know, the front end designer, you work on the back end, you're the, you write the SQL scripts, you manage the, the web server and whatever web technology you use. Mm -hmm. that happens but for the most part you're gonna have to interface with at least one or two other people yeah. uh you know worst case you interface with like a manager right and they just like these are all the work this is all the work that you have to do and you're like oh, okay that's a lot and it's just me so okay yeah. um i think one of the things too that's really interesting did you growing up like obviously yeah you know, i imagine you want to be in the culinary space and that's why you got into that field originally now that you're in tech, do you see some kind of similarities between like, maybe not the work, obviously, because the work is substantially different, but like the way you have to think about things, obviously in tech is very recipe oriented in my opinion. Like there's canonical things you drop in. Like, do you see some, some cross sections of being in the culinary world and being in the tech world? Yeah, I think for most, most careers, there's a lot of crossover, which some people almost disqualify themselves when they're trying to get into tech from career changing. They're like, oh, yeah. I was a nurse or I was a in virtual coffee. I meet a lot of people who have different backgrounds and one was a chemist. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. But even with like culinary, it's all the time management, being organized, problem shooting, like troubleshooting, problem solving. Um, because think if you run out, of an ingredient and you have to make a yeah. swap or fly, or if you run out, run out of a dish completely, how do you kind of explain like, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have yeah. a sample today. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always, and this is just me being just an entitled person. Whenever mm -hmm. I go to a place and I'm like, what do you mean that that thing on the menu is crossed out? Like, you know, people probably want it. 
I, and I understand like how logistics work and how demand works and like you just can't make 1,000 salmon dishes because if you may, if you only sell 900 of them, you lose a lot of salmon dishes, right? I get all of that. Yep. But at the same time, I'm like, what do you mean you don't have the fish today? Like what do you mean? Especially like if you go to like a breakfast place and like we don't have, you know, we don't have bacon today. Or it's like, what do you mean you don't have bacon? You're a breakfast place. Like, fig- figure it out. Like, I'll go down to the store, and if you make me the bacon, I'll buy it for you. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, it's, it's very interesting. So, was is uh, how long? About how long ago did you graduate from Code Camp? If you did graduate, I'm sorry if you didn't graduate yeah. or not. But yeah, I did. Yeah. So okay, congrats. To thanks. Um, for my boot camp, we had to do a whiteboarding assessment, okay. which took me three times to pass. Oh wow. Each time it was a different um, question, but um, we did d- data structures and algorithms throughout our boot camp. Mm-hmm. But no one really imagined the end of graduation where you're like, oh, I actually have to pass one of these now. <laughs> and it was timed. Yeah. Well, it was a timed live in-person whiteboarding. Um, so I did that about a year and a half ago. Okay. So I just passed my year of professional development in July. So it's only been just over a year. Okay. I mean, so you're pretty fresh in tech. Um, And this is going to be a very pointed question because I have an opinion on this. How did you enjoy the whiteboard interview process? Be honest. I do see its purpose. However, I would prefer it to be a bit more collaborative Mm -hmm. through – so I had my first job and then I quit for two months and then I got my job at Harness. Throughout those two months, I had many whiteboarding or paired programming exercises. And it ranged from someone staring at you, watching you do the work with no comments to someone helping like, oh, I see that you're writing this, but do you remember that JavaScript doesn't actually have like a dictionary? And I'm just like, no. Or oh, okay. like whatever I was, whatever I was saying. Um, so they kind of like nudged you in the right direction instead of just watching you yeah. fail and just flail. flail. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. do see the purpose, but I would prefer most whiteboards to be more on the collaborative side because you're the point of the whiteboarding exercise is to see if they want to work with you. And if they're not working mm-hmm. with you, then what is the point? Like we all we all fail daily, <laughs> like trying yeah. things. So seeing someone fail on a whiteboarding test, which they can't use Google or can't use any outside help. I don't know how that's a surprise for anyone. Yeah. I mean, my whole opinion of the whiteboard interview is that it is something that existed before, like all of the resources that, that were available online for people to be more effective in their job. And it's just kind of a legacy thing. I've never had to write a bubble sort in my yep. entire professional career. Yeah. I never had to like reverse a string in my entire professional career. Yeah. I think the, Yeah, exactly, right? Like there's frameworks that exist that obfuscate a lot of these very common algorithms and they make your life substantially easier. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's very interesting about whiteboard interviews, and I think you touched on it, you, you made a comment about if they want to work with you or not. And I think my personal opinion is is a whiteboard interview does not tell you anything about a person other than how easily or how good their memory is. Yep. Right? Because, I mean, I don't know 
if you looked into this, but there's all sorts of resources out there that exist literally to pass like whiteboard interviews, right? There's yeah. things like Lead Code or, you know, there's books that have been written, how to pass the Google interview, right? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that's very interesting about all of that is that there's no like direct connection between the interview process in that case and like the work that you actually do. Yeah. Like I've seen a lot of companies go down this route now, like they kind of give you like a faux project and they don't expect you to like write a bunch of code and do a bunch of free work, but like they want to know how you think like working through problems that come about when you're working on a project. And I think that approach is substantially better. Um, yeah. I guess it depends on how they go about that as well. Cause I've done some take home projects that were very explicit for customers so it was sure. also almost like I'm, I signed an NDA and did some free work, which I definitely don't like because yeah. I felt very taken advantage of because it took me two weeks to make this like, and I obviously you can't really be a perfectionist in tech because yeah everything goes wrong all the time. But in terms of this side project that he wanted me to do, I wanted to make it pixel perfect because I got one of those Adobe prototypes so it okay. had all the dimensions and everything on it. So it took me so long to just like make everything exactly like the prototype. Yeah. And then I turned it in and was rejected. So it was just like, yeah. oh man, <laughs> like I spent so much time on this when all of my friends were like, you shouldn't spend that much time on a take home. But yeah, the guy was literally like, take your time, get it into us when you're done. Interesting. Yeah, I mean... I think that, the, and obviously this is coming from a place of, I haven't ever had to like, like getting, I, I got into tech like a long time ago and I stayed in tech. So like, I don't, there's not like this perception that like, oh, you're a career changer or whatever. So I have like a, a I'm from a place of privilege in that point. But I think one thing that's very interesting is like, they give you an assignment and they say, okay, you have two weeks in my head immediately as a tech person, I'm like, so your interview process is long then because you have like four or five candidates probably and you're giving each of them like a two-week homework assignment. So that means your interview process is slower than a lot of other companies, which to me is a, is a red flag. Yeah. Like yeah. if your interview process, you know, from initial contact to recruiter to eventually if you do fortunate enough to get an offer, it shouldn't be longer than like a month or a month and a half. Right. Yeah, or even than that. My, yeah. my interview process at Harness was less than a week. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the the smaller the company, the more flexibility they have, and I think that's great. Yeah, because nobody enjoys the interview process. Coming from somebody who not yeah. waiting throughout all of the, so I may, I create a spreadsheet on Notion to kind of track all of my points of contact. And yeah. once you get, I was interviewing on average five times a week. So keeping track of all these interviews, like, oh, I talked yeah. to Isaac on Monday about XYZ, and then I meet with his boss like in three days. And yep. so I'll mention stuff we already talked about and like trying to stay organized and remember like, oh, I should follow up sometime. I haven't heard yeah. back from him. Um, so especially interviews that are so so drawn out, it becomes really hard to manage. Yeah, I mean, and as somebody who's interviewed plenty of people in my career, the process, if it's long, it just makes you a bit less interested in the process. And yeah. um, 
eventually, if you do get to a point where you're interviewing people, I don't know if you're interviewing people right now, but like most companies, they give you like a spreadsheet of like, these are the questions you want to ask, grade their answers on a scale from whatever, right? Or some form of that. Mm-hmm. And my immediate response is always like, well, what, like, why do we need this? Like, why do we need to grade people? And I understand that you have to like stack candidates on top of each other. But I mean, I would very much rather work with somebody who is not very strong technically, but they just seem like a good person to work with. Like, and yeah. they were interested and like, and I can tell if you're hungry and you want to actually like learn the stuff and you're interested about the company, like that goes light years beyond, in my opinion, than like, oh, I'm strong. Technically I have like this experience at this company and this experience at this company. So all my, like my boss probably doesn't like my feedback for interviews because it's like, this person is very strong. Technically don't hire them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- like this person will need a, lo- a longer ramp up, but I really enjoyed their conversation and I was actually kind of sad when the interview was over. So we should look into moving them along. Um, yeah. And then just and like think, yeah. culture fit, like yeah. having someone you could collaborate with and just get along with on a daily basis instead of someone being super smart technically and then not being able to collaborate or discuss anything because they're so like in their box. I think, I think that is why I, I got offered a job at Harness because I didn't know any of their tech stack. I don't know anything about CIC. So they're like, let's get you ramped up. I'm good at talking with community, being interactive with community, putting myself out there, obviously. Um, So that's not an issue. And I don't mind being vulnerable and being like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Let's just, what, what can I do to ramp up on this? Yeah, I think, well, modesty is very important, too. Like, you mentioned, like, you know, willingness to get out there. I think that's really important. But also, like, feeling comfortable enough to, like, put yourself in situations where you might not know the answer to everything. Like, that's really important to me. Like, I try very, very hard to always ask questions or put myself in situations where I don't know the answer. I just want to get a better understanding of what the the answer is. And maybe the question is being asked the wrong way. Because that's how you really solve problems. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, um, I work in marketing. I used to be a developer. I work in marketing now. Uh, but I think the the thing that translates is that the quest, the answers are different depending on like who you are in an organization. Like yeah. the same question gets answered depending on who you ask. And I think that's what's really important is like that different um, opinion on how like what's really important. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think for somebody who works in the community, like your number one answer is like, okay, well, how does it like this is this because it positively affects the community or this is this because it negatively affects the community. Um, because at the end of the day, like harness pays you to in, like integrate yourself with the de- developer community or the harness community and learn and build upon that. Like that's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love doing it. The probably the biggest trouble with building a community is kind of getting the answer. Like, what do they actually want? Sometimes yeah. we get those like very generic questions, like, "Oh, why is the sky blue? Why is the sky blue?" And you're just like, yeah. "Can you give me more detail? Can you give me yeah. any more detail?" <laughs> That's not going to get any better. I'm sorry to tell you. That's not going to get any better. Like the the more the more um, experienced you get the more ambiguous the questions are and the more opaque the answers are. And that's just yeah. how life is, sadly. Um, yeah, I feel like I have to like go gold digging every time. Like, yeah. so 
well, what are we looking at here? The amount of times that I say it depends or your mileage may vary like a day is way, way too high. And that's kind of sad. Yeah. One thing that I think was interesting too, is you were kind of talking about, you know, your transition into tech and, you know, the opportunity that you have at Harness is that you mentioned like DevOps or CICD, right? And obviously mm -hmm. I imagine this up, this is something that was very glossed over if referenced at all during your code camp, right? Like yeah. what, like, what was your experience like being introduced to that concept? Because I think the concept is, is very novel. Like I'm a mm -hmm. big proponent of these things if people follow my stuff, but I think like the, the concept is fairly new. Like if you think about it in the, in tech history, right? Like yeah. what was your initial thoughts? Like as you were looking more into CICD, continuous delivery, continuous integration and DevOps in general, like, were you like, Oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Or this makes this adds like way more work to me as a developer. So we did some work in bootcamp, kind of with the concept of CI/CD and like pipeline sure. setup, but it was very like this is an introductory topic. Yeah. Like we're just bare, literally barely scratching, not even the surface. We're like in the atmosphere, like we're just passing by. But I thought it made complete sense. But it's also very hard as a new person to break down your coding into chunks. You just want to do the fe complete feature or complete app all in one like giant commit. <laughs> it's hard to like break things down into chunks. So whenever you pushed code and pushing code, like we're all familiar or most people are familiar with like GitHub Actions. Sure. Yeah. And that was my first introduction to it because one of our projects, we had to set up GitHub Actions. And then we just look at the screen like, what is all this red? Why is it red? Oh, no. <laughs> so oh. it's like very a very foreign topic for me. It, yeah. It still is because there's so many moving parts. It's I'll probably take a year, year and a half to like fully yeah. grasp everything. So yeah, it's still very, very much foreign, but yeah, I think it's a great concept. Yeah, I think it's too, like like the whole idea. And you mentioned like immediately a tool. And I think that's very, very interesting because whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, I think a lot of people like immediately, um, they they take the, the phrase and they say, okay, connect it to a tool, whether that be, you know, you mentioned GitHub Actions or GitLab or, you know, Azure DevOps or like pick your... Yeah, or you harness. Know. Yeah, or harness, right? I'm so I'm so yeah. sorry. Or harness, <laughs> number fine. one, harness.io. I think it, one of the, the, but I guess my point is, is that people immediately like go into tools. And when I used to have these conversations um, with customers about DevOps, when I was doing that, it was like, no, 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 don't worry about the tool. The tool will just figure itself out. Like yeah. obviously, some tools are way better than others in particular use cases. That's why there's so many of them out there. Yeah. Um, but it's very much like you need to be ready to make a cultural change in your organization because yeah. your developers are probably going to have more work. Your ops people are going to have more work, but it doesn't mean that it's bad work. It's work to save themselves in the future. It's very much like insurance, right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. you invest in this particular thing. So in the future, you don't have like your site down for like half a day because you're trying to figure something out. Yeah. Um, but that's what's interesting. And I think, you know, when you were going through the interview process at Harness, was it very much, you mentioned that you didn't have 
like a background or you didn't really have a lot of knowledge in their stack. Like what was it about their stack that really interested you? So when I first saw the job posting, it was all about community and building a community and being involved in open source, which is, I think is extremely valuable. I got into open source from virtual coffee. My bootcamp instructor is also a big open source advocate. His name's Keith. But that is what really drove me to apply for the position because I was a community. Yeah, that's like up my alley. Oh, open source. Yeah, I totally want to be an open source. So I was like, this is a perfect fit. And I think I mentioned to Becca, who's the founder of Virtual Coffee. I was like, I think this job is a good fit. And I was just like, yeah, this is totally a good fit. Because I was like kind of looking for maybe DevRel, maybe continuing with development. But this basically, I like looked at my resume, looked at the job application, and I was like, huh, this seems like a perfect fit. Like, I don't know of any other job I applied where that was like such a good fit. Yeah, it's, there's definitely something to say about like, you fall in love with, like you mentioned things that are very resonant, that are very resonating for me, like open source, right? Like the ability, open source community to me is like the reason why I'm in tech now. It might not have been the reason why I got into tech, but I think it's the reason why I'm in tech now. Um, And I think there's a lot of folks out there that see all of the the great conversations that are being had. So I just want to be a part of those conversations. And it seems to me like you pick that up pretty quickly, which I think is awesome. Uh, I think as well, and I don't know how big Harness is, but I'd imagine they're a smaller size company, right? So we just surpassed 400 employees. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're like, pushing, like pretty rapidly. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's really interesting about that is that it's a small comp- small-ish company who has leaned into like modern tech and tried to figure out new ways to engage with their audience, which I think is really interesting. Um, you know, a lot of companies, you know, regardless of their size, like they'll have like customer customer engineers or customer advocates or developer advocates, or we want to recall them, but mm-hmm. they're very it's very and I want to be very careful because I have lots of friends in developer advocacy and I don't want to irritate them. But I think yeah. it's it's very much like company messaging out yeah. instead of yeah. community feedback in. And I yeah. think that's what's really, really important to call out is like true community is a two-way conversation, right? Um, and I think one of the things that, you know, I'd like to get for understanding from you is like, what is it about the community that excites you so much? Like, obviously, you went through this process, you saw this job, and you're like, oh, that sounds like fun. Especially somebody who's new in tech, like, I'll be completely fit for Like, tech communities can be very toxic. Yeah, it's actually kind of intimidating. It's very intimidating. So we kind of, when I got into the position, it was a very open-ended, it still is a very open-ended position. I'm literally just figuring out what works, failing, doing better, like, finding out all the processes that I actually need to have in place. And I am literally in charge of making sure our community is not a toxic community. Well, that's amazing. Uh, Yeah. So making sure people are getting help, which is also extremely hard to do. It's hard when you're getting like 15 questions a day and then most of them are extremely complex. So it's just finding the right balance of like, yeah, let me help you. Let's hop on a Zoom. Let's figure this out together. Or do I need to point you into a different direction? Or do our docs need updated? Trying to make everything inclusive as well is also 
not easy because we need to think of everybody. Um, But yeah, it's, it's quite intimidating. I'm not building a community from scratch. We're just nurturing the community that was previously because drone was acquired, I think a year ago. Um, So they haven't really had anyone community focused because they were led by Brad. He was the sole developer behind drone. So one person can't do everything. So he's had his hands quite full and it's quite amazing to see how many people are backing this AI product. And I learned every day from people I meet with, like I, I met with someone from South Africa who was just like so hyped and hearing people so happy about a product is really kind of what drives me. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's very interesting. I think, you know, one of the things that I find very captivating about the community is that there's whole, all these different levels of um, passion and interest as well as knowledge. And I think you get you in the right people in the right places and it it's only going to benefit you. Yeah. And you know, we do have a question on the chat. So uh, Meg underscore Gutshaw, hopefully I didn't uh, mispronounce your name. Uh, their question is, who has been your biggest help in starting this new position at Harness? I would say probably our senior engineer TP and also the founder, Brad, also my manager, Luke. Luke is very much like, let's just try it out and figure it out. I know it's like super hard to start with such an open-ended position, but my company is very much about like failing and then moving on and learning. Yeah. Um, also TP, it's it's very, coming from my last position, which was a very super small startup that wasn't like that awesome to work for, coming into harness and having compassionate coworkers who are like, I can actually tell that you're getting burnt out. You should probably take a day off. Yeah. That's great. Like we very much underestimate rest because I'm sure you've been there where you've, you're learning all these new things. I'm learning like an entire new ecosystem, CICD, how to engage with community, how to like analyze everything and community health it's a lot to take in all at once. So I was like, let me do everything. And having someone's like, oh, slow down. Let's let's focus on this and this. So yeah, the entire drone team is pretty amazing. Um, Harness as a whole is pretty amazing. I know I'm like harping so hard on them, but no, they, no. they are so awesome. There's nothing wrong with being proud about where you work. I mean, yeah. um, we were talking a little bit before the stream started. Like I just started at a new company. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been there for about two months. This is um, beginning of November, 2021 for people that are in the future. Uh, and, you know, I didn't have any domain knowledge either. Like when I went for the interview process. I think what really resonates a lot when people, when people are hiring is they want new perspective. Yeah. Especially when you're at that state, like you're talking about, where there's just this rapid growth and you need to figure out different ways to tell your story. And I think getting different people's opinion is really, really valuable. Because if you were to hire somebody, I'm not saying that, you know, hiring from inside the ecosystem is bad, but I'm saying if you hire somebody who is like a tried and true, like they've been working with Harness since the inception. You know, they they know all things in and out. Like, that's great to get people that are in the community that are really excited about that. But bringing them in, you're not going to learn anything new from them more than, more than likely. Yeah. Right? 
that person is probably better to be in the community, collaborating with the community and providing like great feedback back to you. Um, that's my personal opinion. I'm not saying that you should never hire experts because that sounds like a terrible business idea. But I think one of the things that's very interesting about hiring, especially when you're growing, is you want people that have different points of view and so they can they can put some pressure on some more legacy ways of thought, which might be great, but also might not be great, right? And you want to be able yeah. to accommodate. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah, I think. <laughs> no, I mean. I'm just thinking about like the diverse yeah. aspect um, and just bringing new insight into community and what community actually needs. And most companies have their documentation pretty set and just rereading it. And I know the first week I was having trouble with the documentation. I went to my virtual coffee friends and was like, obviously, let me show you how I'm installing. I'm obviously missing a step. Sure. And we could not figure it out. So obviously docs needed updated. We needed to like redo everything because if I'm missing it, everyone else is missing it. Then just redoing it is just probably best. Yeah, I think that's probably the number one most valuable feedback item that you can get from a new hire. Hey, here are our docs. Here are our online marketing assets. Here's our getting started. Just go through it and tell me if it works for you or not. And what a lot of people find out, and I found this out at the company I currently work with, and I've dealt with this at other companies I work with too, where there's a lot of assumed knowledge. And yes. assumed knowledge is not good. Right. Yeah. You never want to assume you never want to assume that things are easy because Honestly, for different people, things are different ways, different levels of difficult. And you don't want to make a bunch of assumptions about what people already know. Because at the yeah. end of the day, if someone's new to your product, that's a great opportunity for you because you're getting yep. a new customer, potentially new customer. Assuming that person knows the ins and outs of your product is not a good look. And I think yeah. the fact that you, you call that a couple of things like, oh, the docs, they, I was having some trouble with the docs or the getting started or Mm -hmm. the onboarding process for anything like those are think those are like the most valuable assets that are a tech company that builds products has right yeah. so not having those laid out like the most seamless way the, the least frictionless the i guess the 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 way with the least amount of friction is really really important because at the end of the yeah. day it's not about exciting current customers that's important too but it's all about getting new customers and that's how you grow and retaining customers as well, building yeah. all relationships and making sure everyone's set. Um, the path of least resistance. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's something too, like, because at least in tech, like I was mentioning a bit earlier, that a lot of the problems from a tech perspective are are pretty straightforward, like forms over data. Is when you start to get really um in, is when things start to get really interesting, is when you start to add, like I said, that domain knowledge on top of it. Right. Yeah. Like, how do I incorporate like really, really good CICD into this process? Or, you know, how do I try to leverage this new technology that might make our developers' lives easier, right? Maybe a tool or maybe a framework or something, right? And I kind of like get some thoughts from you as somebody who is, you know, I guess fairly new. It's I'm, I apologize for saying fairly new, but like, what are some of the tools that you've came across that you're like, oh, wow, like this is great. Like, this is going to make my life easier. I actually don't use too many tools 
I would say my community. Yeah. Community for sure. Yeah. Virtual coffee. Because any question I could ever have, regardless how silly it seems, all I have to do is like post in the help and pairing channel or reach out to like a close friend. And then it's like, oh yeah, let's hop on. Or one of our members, his name is Ray. He puts on this like content creation meeting every week. And that's just like exploring all the new ways that we could create content, what we're doing with content, um, Twitch being one of them. We've discussed Twitch a bit. I know a lot of our members also do Twitch. And I guess that tool and kind of like, how do we harness different social platforms to get sure. the word out as well, which I haven't explored much into because I only have so much time in the day. Yeah, of course. Um, but eventually, eventually when I get there, I'll probably use like Twitch and all of those different like streaming platforms. I'll probably start with Twitter spaces since that's yeah. very like low key. You don't have to set up a lot. You don't need any like not really much of anything. You just open it and then yeah. there you are. <laughs> People come or they don't. So one thing that I thought was really great right there is I asked a very uh, ambiguous question, like what tools? And you immediately went to tools that empower the community, right? Yeah. Like if I was asking somebody else, they might say, oh, like VS Code is great or like, you know, GitHub Actions is great or like whatever, like some like technical tool. And you really yeah. want tools that you use to strengthen your relationship with the community. Like good, bad or indifferent, like Twitter is great, right? Yeah. Like it gives you the opportunity to interface with people that you would never have the opportunity to interface with. Like for mm -hmm. instance, like I met you because I was like, I'm looking for people to interview on my coffee and open source show. And you're like, I would love to do that. I'm like, perfect. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I didn't even look into your background. I didn't screen you. I was like, this person yeah. is excited about open source. That's the yep. only reason why they would want to take part in the silly interview. So let's do it. And I yes. think that's the, and that's what really resonates for me. And things like Twitch and different live streaming platforms is really helpful too. I think one thing that's also very interesting is like there is all sorts of these like platforms that are being created now for new and effective ways to like connect each other, right? Yeah. There, there are known social media platforms that I think for the most part people might have a distaste for because of a lot of reasons. Yeah. But then you see things like, like TikTok, which in my opinion is like literally just like a happy drip into my veins. Like yeah. whenever I watch TikTok, right. And like, it only, <laughs> it only, it only gets better. Like as you, like, as the algorithm learns more and more about you, like the content gets more and more for you. And you're like, I can watch this for like an hour and lose time. Yep. You know, you mentioned things like Twitter spaces. Streaming is really interesting to me. Uh, obviously this is a stream that gets disseminated, but uh, at the end of the day, it's really, really interesting how people now, because of, we live in a time where people are being forced to work from home or forced to work in a more virtual environment. Like mm -hmm. all of these platforms that enable like seeing face to face and interacting in a virtual way have like skyrocketed, right? Which I think yeah. is great. And like, I think people also yeah. want to feel like, connected as well. So that's why there's like growing popularity in all of these, like Twitch, the streaming, the TikToks. Everyone yeah. just wants to feel like really connected with one another, especially yeah. in like quarantine times. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things too where, and my wife makes fun of me this all the time. I have like way more Twitter friends than like actual friends, like people that I have conversations with on Twitter. And like, she's like, why don't you like message so-and-so like my best friend who lives like 10 minutes away. Yeah. Like, 
he's there. Like I can talk to him whenever I want, but like these people online, they're only available for like two or three hours a day. So I have to talk to them. Um, (laughs) and I think that's great. And also times it probably could be unhealthy because we, you know, I think everybody can admit they probably look at their phone a bit too much, but Mm -hmm. I think one thing that's very interesting about like Twitter friends is that when you meet them in person, it's like the greatest thing ever. Like I recently had the opportunity to meet like Twitter friends, like in real life. And I was like, this is amazing. Like people walk up to me. It's like, I'm like, okay, this is weird because I see like your entire body. Oh, you're way taller than I thought. Like I remember I met one of my good friends and like she was sitting down and I walked up and she stood up and she was taller than me. I'm not very tall, but it doesn't matter. I'm like, you're way taller than I expected. And that was like a great, like extra little piece of information. And in May and Meg comments, online friends are real friends. I totally agree. I think there's like, it's funny. Like there's IRL friends, but like at the end of the day, like, I mean, I mean, Marie, like the only difference between us, like not meeting, like in being friends is like the fact that we've been in per, like, I haven't actually seen you physically in person. I've seen you virtually in person now. So like, I mean, what's the difference, right? I think that's, what's really cool too is. Also, like, I'm never going to have the opportunity to meet people, like, in South Africa or meet people yeah. in parts of Asia or in Europe. Like, yeah, maybe I can meet them at some point, but I can't talk to them every day, like, in person. Yeah, yeah. there's a new connectivity we're experiencing. Meg is also in virtual coffee. So Good. I haven't technically met her yet, but we've been friends for over a year now. <laughs> I Everyone in virtual coffee is always like Marie's a like a Pokemon catcher because I always travel to cities I know virtual coffee yeah. people are in. Oh, so cool! I'll, I'll like travel to Kansas City or when I went to All Things Open, I met two of my virtual coffee friends. <laughs> and so, like, there's a joke that I'm like a Pokemon catcher and I gotta catch them all. So no, I mean, there's something to that. If you're given the opportunity, I mean, and you enjoy the work like traveling is great because you get the opportunity to meet all sorts of different people yeah uh i think where it becomes challenging and i'd like to kind of talk to you about this for a little bit too since you it seems like you do do a little bit of travel obviously in the covid times it's harder but Mm -hmm. like the biggest hang-up that i had with business travel is like it's a lot of like you're in a hotel and then maybe you're at an event and then maybe you have some dinner and then Mm -hmm. you're back at the hotel and like there's not like it seems to me like it's just a very repetitive process so like from your experience, like how do you kind of break that mold and like actually enjoy business travel? I try to talk to a lot of people or know sure. someone that's going as well. So we can go like have dinner together, go get drinks together. Sometimes like either like share like a boarding together, like a hotel or something and like just kind of do that. Yeah. Um, but I do try to know someone everywhere I'm going and make sure I'm as interactive as possible. That could also be quite draining. My last when I went to all things open, I was quite active, but I also felt so drained at night. So trying to balance like yeah. off time versus social time, which I think that comes from being like pretty introverted where I'm sure. like mentally drained from being like, oh, yeah. I'm so excited about meeting everyone. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm really tired. But yeah, trying to balance like actually being engaged with other people. I think that's super important for business travel. Other, otherwise it kind of feels lonely. Sure. Because you're just traveling, you're on an airplane, you're doing an Uber, then you're in your hotel, and then you go to the conference event or whatever event you're going to, and then you just go back to your hotel room. Yeah. But trying to stay as engaged with people and meeting new people, I usually 
at the All Things Open conference, I try to talk to each one of the speakers afterwards, just okay. to kind of like thank them and then make sure like I could say what I liked about their their talk um, and kind of be engaged that way and try to make as many friends because yeah. like I kind of mentioned in the beginning, I basically was committed to putting my, myself out there and making these new connections to feel as involved because I feel like the tech community has been so welcoming and people are super easy to talk to. They just want to like collab on things. And I don't think it's, I haven't met really anyone unfriendly. So that's great. That's I mean, I, I don't want to burst your happy bubble, but that's yeah, not the norm at all. Right. Um, Twitter probably and, makes it seem so. Sure. And I, I've been, I've been, uh, doing public speaking and going to events for a while. And you're, I think your statement is pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. Like the people that go to events, like they go to events for a particular reason, right? Yep. Like their company is paying their way for them to network, learn about tech, and maybe, I don't know, something else, whatever. Yeah. But I think if you're really introverted or if you, you, if you make a name for yourself as being somebody who's not really cool to hang out with, like no one will hang out with you. Yeah. And I think like I I've heard some I've heard stories from my friends that are just like, yeah, I was talking to this this person after after my, one of my sessions and it was just not a great experience, right? Like oh, that yeah. still exists. But I think at the end of the day, for the most part, we're getting to this point in society, at least where there's more intelligent people showing up in situations like this. And I mm-hmm. think if you have a lot of emotional intelligence, you just know to just say nice things and be happy and things are going to be great. And I think that's, yeah, that's a good thing that we can be striving for. Yeah. And being compassionate individuals, we don't have to be mean about really anything, even differing yeah. of opinions. It's just like, well, I didn't think about it that way. Thanks for informing yeah. me. Like that kind yeah. of stuff. And I think people are more willing to speak up when there's something that's like not nice. Yeah, no, I think it's like one of my favorite things, and this is just to be a bit inside baseball. One of my favorite things uh, on Twitter is like, if somebody's obviously like, if somebody's like low key being not nice to somebody, like there's like a million people to like brigade in and say like, no, like stop being a dick. Like, like that's great to me. Like, I, I really, really enjoy people getting put in their place when they deserve to be put in their place. So I feel like there's yep. a lot a lot of times in society where people like just kind of avoid or ignore bad situations. On Twitter that doesn't happen on Twitter that doesn't happen. Because everybody has this um what's the phrase? Everybody has like all of this like st- strength isn't the right word, but they have all this strength because it's a somewhat anonymous platform, right? Yeah. Like you can be very well known, but big people really don't know who you are, right? So you can like build this persona and you can like no one's going to come up and like punch you in the face or like, you know, find out where you live, hopefully, and and make your day miserable. So like yeah. you're allowed to defend your friends like yeah. and, allow, and you're allowed to call out people that are being unsavory, which I think is great. Um, and and I, I love Meg's comment, too, like the open source subset of the tech community is a bit different from the tech community as a whole because many of the projects are run by volunteers. They're not for social good uh, and therefore social good not. And I think that definitely factors into it. I think that's a really good point. Um, safe to say I've met a lot of people in the open source tech community that are not cool people, too. I think in general, though, is that you want to – if you're going to be in open source, you you – 
more than likely you want to engage with people to use your thing, right? Yeah. Now a lot of people build some some amazing tool for nobody to use it. Yeah. Um, some might build tools for themselves and realize, oh, some people, other people might like this, which I think is great. Yeah. Uh, but I think the the overall sentiment that if you're in tech and you're building open you're building open source tools or open source products or whatever more than likely you have to engage with people and you have to be okay with engaging with people to some level and you have to be open and accepting of feedback which i think is really important we were talking about there's in tech there's lots of negative feedback like builds don't work or things you know you have to deal with some weird business case or whatever right Mm -hmm. and you have to be in open source like the feedback is can be anonymous which is a whole nother level of uh complexity right yeah, which any social platform, like, for example, our Slack, people can use screen names, any name yeah. they want, like, anything. They could, it could be anything, but it's really, yeah. like, people want to feel heard, and then they want a compassionate answer, too. Even if you don't have the answer, you can't just say, go read the docs. You have to be like, yeah, let me let me sort this out with you or for you, one of those, and then just trying to meet them on their level because of course they could Google it. They could search it. They could search through your docs, but they just want to be heard, felt heard and kind of like taken care of. They're coming to your platform for a reason and your community chat for a reason. They just want to feel heard. I, this, that's completely spot on. And I think that's even more compounded with the, like the, the, the addition of everything needs to be virtual, right? Like mm-hmm. you mentioned, like there's no more water cooler conversations. There's or there isn't as many water cooler conversations. Yeah. You know, going grabbing coffee with a friend is challenging, right? Especially like if you work for a company that doesn't have a lot of people around where you are. Yeah. Um so feeling figuring out ways to connect is like is like the thing. Like yeah. we live like our brains are wired in a way that like we need this community of like you know, typically in thousands of years ago, it was like 100 to 150 people like in our community. And that was all the people that we knew. Yep. Obviously that that is scaled out more, but I think yep. there's still like this huge um, motivation to like feeling connected with somebody, right? And I think that's where open source is so important. Tech open mm-hmm. source is so important. Community building is so important. So I, I mean, you know, we're we about five minutes left. And I want one thing that I'd like to get from you as we're wrapping up is, you know, obviously the community is something that really, really interests you, right? Yeah. Like where where do you see the opportunities to make the community even better? Like, and I know that's a very loaded question, but I'd love to get your thoughts as like somebody who's, you know, they're, they're newish to tech, they're newish to open source, newish to community building. And you've it seems to me like you've had like a really great experience, but I imagine not every single experience has been great. So I'd like to kind of know like how we can do better. Yeah. I think as a community aspect, people, when people share what they're doing or having issues, I think the best thing we could do is be compassionate and kind of like, remember that we're all humans. That's one of Harness's core values as well as remember the human. Everyone has bad days. Everyone has like rough times, just meeting people with, um, compassion can go a long way. That's great. Yeah. And I mean, it's really interesting. I, I think, yeah. you know, there's 
a lot of opportunity to just be better people. And mm -hmm. I think that's what's really important. Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, like all these things are really, really great. Um, so, uh, you know, first off, you know, we're wrapping up and I want to be mindful of your time. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we do at the end of our show is, you know, we, I like to ask our guests, like if you can think of open source or tech in general mm -hmm. in one word, what would that word be for you? Community. Community. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, there's definitely something to just community is like what powers, at least in my opinion, open source and tech. And yeah. I think that's a great answer. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, Marie, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and, and chatting with me for an hour. This has been lovely. I'm glad to hear that, you know, a, uh, a career convert uh, was successful. And, yeah. you know, I only look forward to seeing more and more from you in the future. So yeah. thank you again yeah. for tuning in. And for everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in and watching. So thank you so much. Take care.